Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hey, thank you for joining us today. We are coming to you from Chicago, where I am at, and from Vancouver, Canada, where our guest is from. Um, hey, we love marketing on this program, and we love AI, and I just love this guest because she's going to talk about the intersection of performance marketing and technology, but she is a wonderful business builder who will give us a little uh tidbits and insights because she has built and exited one successful company and she is well on her way with this one. So, but she's going to tell you all about it. So Nikki Senyard, welcome to the program and tell our listeners what your company is and what you do in the world today. Well, Alison, thanks so much for having me. Um, as you said, my name is Nikki Senyard. I'm CEO of Intel Connect. Intel Connect is actually a performance marketing company that is built and carved out a niche in a very, very exciting industry, which is the fintech and finance industry. So from my understandings, we are the only ones in the world that are doing this, which I think is really cool. Um, and what we're doing is we're actually helping fintechs, community banks, um, enterprise banks, credit unions um, get digitally savvy and grow online through performance marketing. And for everybody out there who doesn't quite understand what performance marketing is, it's the coolest marketing channel ever, in my opinion. Um, performance marketing means that you actually only pay for the customers that you get. And as the supplier of the product or the service, you de define what that customer is. So we work with enterprise banks, for example, who are looking to grow their new credit card customers or their loan products, when you, or we're working with fintechs who are helping students decrease their uh, education loans. So we work with a whole range of different types of clients. And really what this is about is giving them the tools to successfully expand and grow online. Well, I love the fact about performance marketing that you, you pay for the results. And that is so rare across what most people know and what most people assume that they have to do. So I just, I love that piece. I want to take a step back on your journey because as we, as I teed up, um, you have been a business builder for, um, for a while. And uh, I love I had, the way that you elegantly don't say 20 years. Okay. No, <laughs> no, we don't need, we don't need to say, but I think I had the pleasure of speaking with you before this interview and what a contrast of what and how you built your first company and how you've gone about building your second company. So give the listeners just a little tidbit of, of what that first company was in that kind of comparison and, and contrast. So it's, um, so I, we, so I think the best way to start it is there's always a bridge into a story. So when I started my career, I started it in PR and marketing and because of my age and where I've come from, that was in the analog era. So I was still sending press releases out via fax. So I actually got to the stage in my marketing career, my PR career, marketing career, where I didn't actually want to do another press release. So I was looking for something else. And then this, and this was sort of like in early 2000s. 
And I we stumbled, my, my business partner and I, who's my husband, stumbled on an opportunity into this performance marketing area. And to me, it was a wonderful segue because I feel like when you're working with publishers and influencers and media sites, that it's exactly the same way that you work with journalists, is that they have to actually believe in what they're suggesting or what they're writing about to the large extent so that they, because they build an authenticity with their audience. So to me, it was a really interesting segue. But mm -hmm. I started that business in 2020, 2002, I'm sorry. And Google had started four years before and Facebook didn't even exist. So I have definitely um, ridden the wave of different technological impacts on digital marketing. But there's still the same thing stays true. The more authentic you are and the stronger the relationship you have with the audience and the stronger your product is, the more successful you're likely to be. Well, and did you ever think that you would be ahead of a, a company that harnesses AI? I mean, it, it's like if we look back at those of us that have had interesting and when you say interesting careers, not long career, interesting careers, <laughs> how much has 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 changed? So I want to talk about this because fin fintel connect and i always let our listeners know pretty early on fintelconnect.com you can check it out and and follow along if you're interested in as we have this conversation um you launched uh in 2020 so still a, a fairly young company already mm -hmm. a team of about 40 yep. um is that team all located in vancouver are you distributed or how um, are you set I have up? It, yeah so the the majority of the team like 95 percent of it is actually based here in vancouver I have, I actually was talking to a venture capitalist this morning about this exact part of the conversation. Um, I may be a bit old school with this philosophical belief, but I feel like culture and mission actually creates the connections um, that actually bind and drive a company. So from my perspective, we have every, had everybody here because we're such a fledgling company, mm -hmm. you know, like we're rewriting processes and systems we're redefining you know like how we can be most helpful and I feel that the conversations that you have with can somebody help me with this please um actually happens so much more easily when they're in the office COVID was absolutely challenging for us it made us a lot more robust in a lot of ways and a lot more deliberate so I think with us having everybody in the office is exactly sort of like the um, groundswell that we need to sort of propel the company forward for what we're doing. But yeah, I'm one of those more traditionalists that say um, hot bodies in the office make a big deal of difference. Well, I, I do. I, I think, you know, every kind of brand and every kind of business has its, its unique culture. And, and I love the phrase that you said, bind and drive. I, I hadn't quite heard the bind portion of that before. So I appreciate you, you sharing the way that you're going about uh, market. I want to talk about your products just a little bit to give our listeners a, a little bit more of a flavor because you have uh, this product, you, as you said, just performance marketing. So customer acquisition affiliate yep. program. Tell us just a little bit more because I think for... The financial space is so intriguing in terms of the numbers of, of kind of changes and advancements uh, in recent years. So, so tell us what, like if a, if a client comes to you, what is it that is the solution that you're providing them? So it's really interesting. Um, a for, performance marketing has been around for 20 years 
And performance marketing for financial services has actually been around for a very long time. It's been around for about 10 years. But it was at the time that it started, it was only the big enterprise companies that could take advantage of this because they owned and built their own technology. Mm -hmm. But as technology around financial services has morphed, we've got, you know, neobanks coming in and we've got middleware that really help with the um, smooth onboarding of new customers. We've got product evolution and innovation. All of those things have actually set the time up perfectly for our business. Without those before it, those changes happening before now, we would have never been able to make the impact that we want to do on the industry. So what performance marketing enables a bank to do is basically, as we said, get a customer for, to actually pay for the customer that they get and that they think is of value to them. But the interesting thing about performance marketing, which I'm sure you and some of your listeners already know, is performance marketing to me is like the cherry on the top of digital acquisition. To make performance marketing work, you need to know what you're, you have to have a clear on frictionless onboarding process. You have to have a really good product. You also need to understand what your CPA or cost per acquisition has to equal. So all of these things come into place. So when you, as you're ironing out the wrinkles of your digital acquisition strategy, once they're all lined out, mm -hmm. you can take advantage of the slipstream that performance marketing holds for you. But the interesting thing is I did an accelerator program at the beginning of 2020 when we started the business. And that was actually, I got to speak to 80 community banks in the space of eight weeks. Wow. Very intense. But what it really helped me understand is that not all banks are the same. The US is very different that no other country in the world that I know of has the community banking system or the split between credit unions and community banks that America does. Mm -hmm. And what it showed me was that there was a lot of assistance we as a business could provide what I'm calling the fledgling digital acquirers in the financial industry. And that's where the AI product comes in. So what we actually have worked out is, well, as you would know, as anyone in digital marketing knows, data makes the difference. So if you can't see what a real, we do closed loop tracking, which means that we can actually tell you where the customers come from. And that's crucial if you're going to start your digital journey, because you want to start with how you mean to finish. You want to know what your customers are. So what we've done is we've developed a product called Fintel Check that is a content compliance tool built specifically for the financial industry. So what will happen is you don't know that banks go through audits and audit requirements in the most general sense is that they want to see a copy of all the digital content out there. So what our tool does is scrapes and keeps it, compares the engine the rules to an engine so you know whether that making sure that your um, extended content team is doing the right thing and we also show you where all your links are which is what compliance really wants yeah I was very intrigued when I when I looked at that I mean because we all know um, the banking industry has had major shifts in the guidelines for know your client and the guidelines yep. for compliance. And so when I looked at that section of your, your website and was reading about it, I, I was like, oh, this is, this sounds, so you make it easy. I always like the phrase automatically, automatically it happens. We can <laughs> tell you about your compliance and uh, no. So I, I definitely appreciated 
appreciated that. I do want to jump though and go back to because we're we're always quick on this program. I want to go back to your first company and you know you you built it and you went to this stage all the way to get um to exit the company. Yep. And tell us a little bit about the the lessons kind of learned would you have cuz cuz I'm sure having built the first one and then exited it you probably changed the way you you went about this one but was there any key lessons learned that you would share with somebody about that process and growing your I company and knowing when it's time to go what I will tell you is I haven't changed anything ah. so I actually have done a very similar thing to the, what I first what I've done the first time round the first time round we self funded so that meant that it was like that overnight success that took me 14 years we started with three people and exited with about 100 and we dominated the market niche that we were in, um, which is a very cool thing to have been able to do. And we actually exited to one of our clients, um, which was a very interesting process. I was going through the process of potentially raising money to buy other businesses. And a client came, a client at that time came to me and said, we're interested in buying you. And then I said, all right, then let me tell you, <laughs> let me see what that looks like. And we did. And so basically what had happened was the second time round, um, we're with this business that we're growing, we um, have the same very similar philosophical approach um, to the business growth. But what we found is that we're actually having a lot of issues, um, which are cool because of the fast growth. So um, before we were able to sort of like blend into things and there was a whole lot of um uh, growth experiences that we had that didn't impact on us the same way that we're doing now because we're um, pushing very fast growth um, you break things more quickly and you need to fix things more quickly it's the same philosophical approach of culture um, of building team of contribution to the clients of sort of like where we can be helpful is still there but um, fast-growing companies have their own set of um, issues, which is very cool. <laughs> well, I'm going to go. You talked earlier about um, an experience with an ex with an accelerator, and I know from other. Uh, I'm going to say my female entrepreneurs in the fintech space. There aren't a lot of my impression of female. Uh, founders in the fintech space are you, do you find the, the the same or is it we're seeing more come on in um, I I don't actually notice that's probably ah. the best way of actually putting it is that I don't actually notice I um I I find cool people wherever I go and some of them are women and some of them are guys um I think the I have I did actually in a, another accelerator um, sponsored by the Canadian government, um, and it was all women technology founders, mm -hmm. and I found that a really interesting experience. Um, and only from the portion of everybody seemed to have faced this very similar things, even though the businesses were at different stages, which is really just about a lot of hats um, that female founders seem to wear. Um, but I think always, always we do, but it just is maybe a less well-worn trench that we're working through, if that makes sense. 
No, thanks for sharing that that perspective. I would like to talk to you as a as as a CEO again. I know um, one of the the things that's important to you that you've already mentioned is is culture, and I know you've shared that your two core beliefs are contribution and, and growth. So, can you talk just a little bit about your leadership style and things that are important to you as a leader? Um, things that are important to me as a leader are transparency for both my team, my leadership team and my team. Um, and also very clear, what I very clear, I will call them boundaries, but very clear objectives. I think the clearer things are, the less confused they become and also the less ambiguous um, a situation can become. So um, being very direct and being very clear is really important to me. Um, and I think the other thing is about I've had to learn hands off. So there's a lot of times where you actually have to let people experience the discomfort of their own experiences um, as opposed to trying to make it better or trying to make it easier for me. So I find that clarity, transparency, defining the rules of engagement or where the objectives are. So being that being very clear and then stepping back and letting it unfold um, is probably my three points that I would that I sort of live by. Well, I love how to the the how you just you know position let people learn through their discomfort. I I think that is you know a, a, a difficult one. And because you have to know their their limits too. You have to be like this is where I I I know you can do it. Um, you know, what do you, you know, I think a lot of times, particularly when you're in a fast mode, you, as a, as a leader, people can come to you with so many questions. I say at the end of the day, I am at my limit of decision-making and answering questions. And you, you have to remember to stop and say, well, what do you think? Or how would you propose we solve that? Or what would, you know, what are your ideas and as opposed to always feeding everybody all that information so I really do like that philosophy because I think that also helps you protect yourself from getting burned out I think so and I'm I and this is well one if you know what I mean or well well thought for for me to be able to get into this position um but I just it's about having a bit of trace trust and faith you know, like the transparency gives you the understanding of where people are going to stumble, where they're going to fall. And I really do have an absolute belief in myself that I'll be able to clean up whatever spills, right? So the thing is, I, life happens, spilt milk happens. The trick is how do you clean it up quickly and well? It's not whether you let it spill. And so our philosophy in the business is about um, test and learn, I suppose, is the best way of putting it and understand that not everything's going to work. But as long as we're still moving towards, as long as there is clarity on what's going on, you can still move in the direction that you want. And for me, my greatest sense of accomplishment is the fact that I was, I was able to do it. So why would I take that joy away from somebody else and helping them you know, take their wins when in actual fact, you know, they're more than capable of doing that themselves. It's just that as, as you would appreciate, 
Mm -hmm. If you're going to take that philosophy, then you need to really pay attention to where the sharp edges are so people don't hurt themselves and hurt the business. But it's a different approach than the always answering the questions. So they're both of equal um, stress, but it's a different stress. So I'm not answering questions all the time. I'm always looking out for where the sharp edges are. That's probably the best way of putting it. No, wonderful way to frame it. So I want to go back to, to the company that you're building today. I want to talk about Fintel Connect. So you, you shared with us that, you know, your, your first company self-funded 14 years, four people, 200 people. Here you are two years in with Fintel Connect. You're already at, at, at 40 and growing. Where, where do you see the path taking you in the next two to three years in terms of scaling up the company? Um, my vision for the business is actually to be a billion dollar business and I can see it within the next five to six years. I can see that happening. I can see the growth in the U S market. I can see the growth in international markets. I can see growth through acquisitions. I can see three or four really cool products that I think we could actually buy up in this business and keep on going. My absolute objective for this business is to be a mainstay. One of the really, um, foundational players in the fintech and finance industry, um, basically around the world. So that's where I see that we're going. That's wonderful. And, and I want to go back and say, because you, you talked earlier about, you know, bringing technology to the smaller companies and the smaller banks and the smaller, lesser known institutions. And I really love businesses that have a business model of, of more or less, I want to and correct me here, Nikki, if, it, if I'm off path, but, you know, who are making an offer to the businesses that are on Main Street, you know, to make sure that those local credit unions and those local businesses that we don't want them all closing shop. No, um, am I saying that correctly? That's part of your yeah. mission? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And the thing is that, you know, I, with, with these businesses, I never understood the impact of, on local communities of community banks. Mm -hmm. And they, and I don't want to see them leave Main Street. Um, and they, there will have to be evolutions. And so the thing for me is a lot of them see digital marketing or digital acquisition as a black hole. And my goal is for it not to be a black hole, for them to feel like there's, they have a flashlight that they're looking down that tunnel with some confidence. It's still going to be a bit scary because it's new, but for them to have a little bit of confidence that there is a pathway for them to be successful in this. Well, Nikki, thank you so much. This time goes so fast. I started thinking of two or three more questions, but our time, our time runs up quickly. Is there, if people want to learn more, what's the best way for them to reach you, for them to reach the company? Um, the best way for them to do is just find us online at fintelconnect.com. Um, my email is there and they can absolutely reach out. Um, yep, I think that would probably be the easiest way to do it. Nikki, thank you so much for being such a wonderful guest and, and sharing the story of Fintel Connect. And to our listeners, if Nikki said something that you think somebody else needs to hear or know, please pass along a copy um, or a link to this podcast episode. And um, we always appreciate reviews. So if you like what we're delivering, please go ahead and review us on your favorite podcast channel. Until we speak again, always keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Nikki, thank you so much. 
My pleasure. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.